gonna call America, where we discuss the weird, wonderful, and worrying rituals and sacrifices that make America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult that is America. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, a migrant who has her green card appointment tomorrow. Yay! <laughs> let's go! Which I must say does not mean, they keep telling me it's a formality, but you know, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Oh yeah. And I'm not taking it for granted, but here's hoping that I have this by the time this episode goes up. Listen, she's going to have it by the time this episode goes up. Eek. All right, y'all. Eek. All right, y'all. And then we're going to buy Lisa a hot dog, a burger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All the, all Do the, I have to wear American? Yeah, we're gonna shit we're gonna get you. Now. We're gonna get you an American bandana. You're gonna be out here looking like Joel Santana. All right. The it's crazy gonna be thing, looking like Fourth like, of July in your house. Did we talk about this on the podcast? How crazy I feel it is. Oh, we did. We talked about it. Where it's like wild that like if I get that, that means that in five years I could be a citizen. Yeah. Wild. One of us, one of us, one of us. Uh, America Occult. Um, This group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself and its leaders and its members. Oh, that's a cult. That's a cult? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's also America. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. But uh, definitely, and like what's funny about this one, I was so hoping you'd choose America because it's actually verbatim what our cult behavior is this week. Okay. Um, So I just think that's really funny because that's like, I was like waiting for it because it would have been perfect. But anyway, God damn it. Did you read ahead? I'm getting good. I'm getting good at this. You know what I'm saying? Because you be sending me the script like three minutes before I get here and shit. I'd be like, girl, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it this week. I I got it. You don't even have this part of the script in front of you. I'm hip now. Um. We are talking about a cult too, though, as we want to do. Um, so actually, what's really fun about this cult is they inspired our website. Oh. Um, I don't know if you know this, but for any of our listeners who haven't been on our website, I encourage you to look at this cult's website and our website um, because it was my inspiration. We are talking about the professional website development organization, Heaven's Gate. Oh. Have you heard about that? I haven't. You haven't heard about Heaven's I Gate? I haven't heard about Heaven's Gate. The only Heaven's Gate I know about is the place I hope to be at after I die. <laughs> and I know that I'm going to get there and God going to be like, well, Carl, you maybe- seen how you was wilding down there, bro? Like, oh, listen. I Real talk. Do you think that God cares? Yeah. I've been really? wilding down here. I don't know. I like, well, like- not religious, but uh, I just find it like bonkers that um, an omnipotent being would be like, yo, did you see how much Carl drank last night? Like, God come is, on. God is amazed minute by minute about how much <laughs> I'm fucking wilding down here. God's like, I think God bro, would be impressed. God I is, personally feel that way. God is tuning in like on this week's episode of Carl's Wilding. <laughs> That's a very, uh, this is a very interesting view. I definitely just have always been of the opinion that um, as long as you're a good person, you should be fine if you, but I also take the opinion that like people have clearly not figured out um, how, like, or what 
God sure. is. Like we're yeah. kind of not. It's not on our level. I'm just gonna let it go. God's just out here person. not telling us what exactly. The like it's is. not clear. God's like <laughs> we I'm not giving it out. you. I am not giving you the keys to the algorithm, Carl. Yeah. You will not know how to hack this heaven shit. One thing I feel pretty certain about is that uh, God wouldn't want to start killing each other here over it, or like you know killing people because of it. I mean that's just how I feel. But anyway. Yeah. We digress. Uh, so Heaven's Gate is a, well, it was a new religious movement. It was founded in 1974 and it was led by um, two people who were originally called the two and later known as T and Doe. And so T was Bonnie Nettles and uh, Doe was Marshall Applewhite. Um, they first met in 1972 and they went on this spiritual discovery uh they called themselves the two witnesses of revelation so they're both really into ufos which is probably what the cult was like super famous for um so like marshall applewhite um he grew up like his dad was like a a minister i can't remember what denomination protestant maybe but definitely um one of the denominations that didn't believe in the revelation so like him like focusing on the revelations was like a really big you know, fucking mm. to his dad. Uh, but he was also gay. He was a teacher and he got um, kind of ran out of town for having an affair with a, a student. He was a college professor. Um, he had an affair with a male student. And so he met um, Bonnie, who I think was like the brains behind the operation. And they kind of uh, founded this like Christian new age millennialist cult uh, with a whole bunch of like UFO stuff, which is oh, kind of- Kind of dope. Uh, they thought that they could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature and that they would ascend to the heaven or the next level. So they um, were a mass suicide cult. So they were another one of the big mass suicides. Um, so in on March 26, in 1997, the bodies were discovered in San Diego, um, 39 members, uh, which includes uh, Applewhite. They're pretty wild. How did they commit suicide? Like, how did they do it? They're all found lying um, peaceably in matching dark clothes and Nike sneakers. No signs of blood or trauma. They, I don't know exactly how they, they did it. They all had Nikes on? Yeah, and actually it was a really big issue for oh, Nike. shit. And um, <laughs> SNL did, like, a whole skit with it, too, um, Yo, apparently at the time. What? So, like, they, like, famously wore Nikes. Um, they also only ever carried around a $5 bill and a roll of quarters when they went, like, into town and stuff. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, they the reason why I said they were a website development company is they're one of the first, like, cults that really went online. And their website is still the same from the 90s. Um, and they... Uh, ran a website development service to fund the organization, which I just think is really funny. That's really smart. Um, a bunch of them also voluntarily underwent castration, oh. including Apple White. Oh, shit. Because uh, they were trying to maintain a modest life. It seems like a really boring cult. Like, they didn't take drugs. They didn't have sex. It was, like, abstinent. I'm like, if you're going to join a cult. Just be fucking nasty. Be fucking. Yeah, be, be taking f- drugs. Be fucking. You know? Be fucking high. Be overdosing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Make it like a dramatic cult. Yeah. Like make it worth being in a cult. Make it worth exactly. like everybody judging you over. I you am know? with you. But anyway, uh, it's like such a it's such an intricate and interesting story. I encourage you to go over to their website. If you look them up, you'll find it straight away. And then yeah, cross-reference our website. It was fully like 
based on a bunch of cult websites, but particularly that one. It's like that exactly what you think it is. is With the gifts on the page and the really gaudy font and And me and Carl were gonna wear Nikes every episode. (laughs) That's it. Um I think that uh the um I mean I have a love-hate relationship with this podcast. The guys at Last Podcast on the Left do a really good, like, five-part series. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them. I think their research is great, but I find that sometimes they're jokes and there's, it's just too many men yelling at me, so I get, like, tired yeah. listening to them. But they do actually do, like, really good in-depth research. And I think – I'm pretty sure they did – it's been a minute since I listened, but I'm pretty sure they did, like, a five-part series on it. Mm. Um, so go check it out if you want to learn more. And I think I think HBO did a recent documentary on them too. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty okay. sure. Um, right. So go learn more about them. I got some shit to do this weekend. You got some shit to do. I got some cult shit to do. Get in, losers. Uh, yeah, We're exactly. Making a cult. We're going culting. I tried to get. <laughs> I went on a hike this morning, and um, I tried to get my um, driver, like my friend, but like she was like, "What do you want to listen to?" I'm like. Can we maybe listen to a couple of podcasts about Heaven's Gate? So I'm like prepared. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. I'm like, you know what? It's worth a shot, but like I respect you for saying. She just no. didn't want to have nightmares. She's like, I'm not she trying was like, to. She's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not it's, going to sleep with this shit on me. You it's crazy? 8 a.m. Absolutely not. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to sleep. I'm thinking about Nikes chasing me at night and shit while I'm sleeping. I don't need that kind of drama. <laughs> Just in case you wonder what it's like to go on a drive with me. Yeah. I also have mosquito bites all over my legs. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> like, I realize I'm here? sitting here. No, that's from my backyard. Oh, my God. You know what? Because I haven't had any and everyone keeps complaining about it. And I think that they were gravitating towards everybody else. And then the other night, I like, um, I was just chilling out there. And, like, everyone went to bed. Just you. Just me. Like, everyone yeah. went to bed. And I think I was, like, finishing up watching something or I don't know. And I think they were like, okay, there's no one else. I guess we better go with this bitch. And I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I've been, like, avoiding it this whole time. All right, Lisa, since you want it so bad. <laughs> I was asking for it, really. Out there with my bare legs in my own yard. How oh, yeah. You, you were asking for it. Anyway. Let's talk about, uh, for our final topic for the season, which I've been waiting for this one. Yeah. I'm so excited to discuss it with you. American exceptionalism. What's that? Uh, Essentially, it's just Americans feeling like they are, they, they need to be special. They need to be better than others and that they have a higher moral authority than others. Yes. Yeah. Which we've touched on this in previous episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that as a concept before we get into the research? Yeah, it's it's a lot for a lot of it is from I feel like a lot of a lot of it is from our media, right? Like our media kind of telling us, hey, we are going to this place and we showed you videos of this place. This vi- the, the place looks like shit. It looks nothing like the splendor in which you live, but it can look like it if we go there and give them democracy. Wait, are you talking about exceptionalism or manifest? Oh, no, manifest destiny is a little bit different. Manifest destiny is just we have to own everything that's around us. Because it's what we need to do. Like the idea of exceptionalism at least comes from, or this moral authority Mm. um, comes from us having to kind of do this job 
of saving other countries from themselves or saving them from other countries, Mm -hmm. right? And what ends up happening is we just kind of adopt this attitude of, oh, like, we actually have to be this way because we're American. We have to, we're responsible for everyone else. We have to set an example. Do you feel exceptional? Because you're, do you feel like Americans are better? Nah, we ain't shit. (laughs) (laughs) We ain't shit. Like, there are so many other places where I feel like the people treat each other better. France is one of them. Uh, even though France could do better with its Muslim population. 100%. Uh, but, but the French typically tend to treat each other fairly well. Um, the British are very much like Americans. It's just that, you know, they kind of gave up their number one spot status after World War II. You think British people are like Americans? In, in the way that they look... In the way that they view themselves. Ah, uh, okay, I get what you mean. You know, um, uh, like they literally view themselves as royalty or he- better humans than everyone else. They definitely colonize the fuck out of the world. They did. <laughs> there was the sun rises and sets on Britain, on Great Britain. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's easy to kind of get caught in that. That 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 idea of moral superiority because you quote unquote civilized the rest of the world and gave the rest of the world these freedoms written by your philosophers or philosophers of other major nations during the enlightenment period. But it's like in reality, like, you know, that it's why I like Tocqueville because Tocqueville kind of came to the United States and like, actually studied democracy like studied typical americans and he was like yo like that democracy shit got them gassed like they they really not shit for real (laughs) right and um that was like my first time really reading about americans not being as exceptional as they promoted themselves to be well i mean is it a democracy if it's not easy access to voting for example uh that's a loaded question yes it is right um because first like it's not that easy to vote in the u.s that's what i mean yeah so that's what i'm saying like is it a fed like okay so contrast it with example for australia uh contrast it for example with australia yeah who Maybe it's a bit extreme, but we have compulsory voting. Yeah. Well, like everybody has to vote. It's like the opposite of here. It's like if you don't vote, you get a fine. Okay. But, but like, I understand that. But then it, is it really a choice to vote? No, but like, is it really a democracy if everybody doesn't vote? Well, you know, that's the chicken or the egg. Exactly. Question, right? I think what's interesting about the Australian system is that it's like, it means the incentive, like, there's no way that you can sort of like, I don't know, try to stop certain people from voting. Like, it's like the system is such that you are, when you turn 18, you get a letter from the government and it's like, hey, you got to enroll to vote. Yeah. And it's like, it's so like the whole system is based on like the understanding is that you do. And like people don't always like, 
people don't always put in a proper vote, right? There's this whole phenomena of people putting dicks on their ballots, like just drawing a dick <laughs> and putting it in, uh, which you can read about at some point. Yeah, that's but like, great. it's great. But I think the good thing about it is that when voting is compulsory, like your employer has to let you vote because it's compulsory. But in the US, they here. let you vote too. Yeah, but like, do all of they them? They have a whole fucking day off for voting. Do people get Election a day, day off for voting? Yeah, or at at the very least, you get your voting period time of the day off. Like, so like November. Do you think that someone working in a busy cafe is going to get time off to go vote? They should. And and this is the thing, if they don't, hmm. right? Um, I don't know this, but I I don't know this for sure, for a fact. But um, typically, if you prevent someone from voting... Uh, you have to be violating some sort of labor law. Oh, people don't do that here. <laughs> but um, but but I think what we're probably okay. Wait, hold on. Let me read this. Yeah, time off to vote. So thirty states, only thirty states require that. Twenty states don't have any laws. And then some of the states, so for example, in Alabama, yes, you do get time off to vote. You get up to an hour, which you know what the lines are like. Yeah. Unpaid. And you need to give notice. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at lines of two hours and you're being unpaid for that time. Yeah. And you may doing, not even get to vote because you have an hour. Yeah. Because you're doing your, uh, your, your civic duty. But it is a choice. But it's a choice. Is it a choice if you don't have money? Like if you to can't, vote? yeah, is it a choice to vote if you have to elect to take one hour off unpaid? You don't even know if you'll be able to vote in that hour. You are on minimum wage and that money matters. You have to get petrol or whatever to get to the voting station or whatever, right? Like yeah. think about all of those factors. Is that really a choice? But there are other factors of voting. And, and obviously everything is not equal across all states. But like some states allow you to mail in your vote. Yes. So, so in some states, some it is, states, in but again, some, some states, states, my point being really, and I'm right, is that <laughs> this country doesn't really facilitate democracy very well. Well, that's not the in thing. an equitable way. Well, we have to kind of. I, I think we're having a more specific question, right? And the more specific question is um, the difference between a pure democracy and a representative democracy. A pure democracy is one man, one vote, and that's like very much how. Um, a number of philosophers used to think, especially um, Rousseau. So Jean-Jacques Rousseau was like a pure democracy type of guy where he believed one man, one vote. That's and how I it should be. I don't necessarily think that like that like is realistically going to happen, right? Like Australia is a much smaller country than America. But what I'm saying is that the way that the laws and structures are set up as at present is that when you say representative democracy, that's like really telling because who's being represented? It's the people who have the, the people freedom who vote. to leave yeah. and vote. Yeah. Whereas if you're on minimum wage in a state that is offering unpaid or if you're in one of the 20, 20 states that don't have any time off to yeah. vote. Yeah. And voting's on a Tuesday. Yeah. Like- you're not getting a very representative democracy. Yeah, but there are these other things. Not too. to mention gerrymandering, it's not like, to mention corporate, corporate like greed, whatever. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Although it is fun to, you know, have a go at America. 
So, so there are three forms of American exceptionalism. Uh, the first is misunderstood exceptionalism. The second is conditional exceptionalism. And the third is problematic exceptionalism. So misunderstood exceptionalism, which is the first one that I mentioned, is defined as American values and attitudes that many in the United States, as well as abroad, regard as part of the problem, though there is little evidence to support this contention. So typically this falls under nationalism and religiosity, right? Mm -hmm. And essentially uh, it's the reason why we believe we are exceptional is because either we are a nation or because we believe we have these beliefs. And typically it's like Protestant based Christianity. Mm. Right. And we identify that um, these values that are derived from nationalism and derived from religiosity actually contribute to the problem that is caused by the United States across the world. Mm -hmm. Right. But, there is little evidence to support whether it is a nationalist endeavor mm -hmm. or a religious endeavor. Mm -hmm. But we do have more evidence that supports whether uh, our activity overseas is based upon um, a war or a dictator mm. or uh, some sort of um, act of aggression between two different countries in which we have to play a role due to our responsibility as a f as the United States and the policemen of the world, right? So um, we tend to actually blend everything together. Um, and as a result, we support these activities. We mm -hmm. support us going to these other countries and playing these roles, but we don't really understand why we do so. We don't really understand why we have to do these things. Mm -hmm. um, um, Allah, the name, misunderstood exceptionalism. So our next uh, form of American exceptionalism is conditional exceptionalism, which is defined as aspects of the American character that are distinctive, but not so much that they are destined to consistently divide the American people from the rest of the world. Uh, these typically include values and attitudes that are products of the times or subject to the course of events and the influence of American leadership. So um, one example of this is 9-11, right? Um, essentially, we're like, hey, um, if you are pro-American and you're like, yo, 9-11 happened, we got to go to fucking Afghanistan. We got to go to Iraq. We got to kick whoever's ass it is. Like, you as an American feel morally responsible mm. on the condition of 9-11 happening, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so many people feel as if they can actually they they have the moral right or they have the moral mission to correct a wrong that was done to the US even if and and, and obviously 911 happened we all watched it live yeah so we did. like so like in so so watching it and seeing it happen on american soil 
you are on you're you're in right and if you're actually out right like if you opt out of that condition if you opt out of that it, it it's in a very weird way that people are looking at you like what the fuck is wrong with you right um you haven't satisfied the condition to be exceptional in this particular instance um the third the third and last form of american exceptionalism is what they call problematic exceptionalism no okay and it's essentially how americans view themselves their country and the world in ways that reflect potentially unbridgeable persistent gaps in opinions on important issues uh a lot of this is freedom of speech mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of this is uh second amendment right to bear arms um a lot of this is um cultural issues when it comes to certain rights uh and and that because we do it we are better than others mm-hmm. right um and i think in some ways that people in other countries have it in reverse and it and i as would in say they think that they're better or they think america is better as in that they're better because america hasn't conformed to things that they do like the metric system like the metric system you mean like the rest of the world like the rest of the world that has the metric system that has the metric system now not necessarily that but i would say um i would say um guns for example right um you are gonna argue for America having a right to arms? No, I'm not gonna okay. argue for anything. I'm just saying that other countries We all look down on you for that, yes. Look down on the rightly, United States. I would say rightly. Sure. We're not here to debate the gun thing. We're here to talk about American exceptionalism. Right. But, but it's a bad example because you're sort of making us sound like we have it the other way, where it's like some countries unfairly think that they have moral high ground on America about certain issues that maybe they don't. And like, I would agree that's true for some stuff, but guns is just like a really bad example. But I'm not saying that. (laughs) um, I'm not saying that. I'm just defining it based on the definition of problematic exceptional. So, so it is a potential today. I'm like, not only like yawning at you because I just, you know, I just hiked. I also am just shit stirring you because it's so much fun. Yeah. And I just cool. feel and like you know I'm like I'm the avatar, like I'm the Bella Swan of this situation where like, you know how they always have like the main character who's like got no distinguished personality features to like avatar in for like the reader. Yeah. Like that's who I am right now for like every non-American listener we have. Yeah. Which is to be honest, probably most of them where I'm just like. Let me poke the bear. Yeah. Let me just bother see. Bother him. <laughs> bother him. Let me just Let's see. Let's see how American he really is. <laughs> I did learn today that um, black bears, because I was like, because it's funny, like hiking here, I don't know shit, right? Like yeah. in Australia, like I know stuff mm-hmm. and here I don't know anything. And so I was like asking questions and I didn't realize with black bears, you got to yell at them. You yeah. got to go like, ah. And you got to put your hands up. Yeah. Like, back yes, the fuck today. up. I also saw a <laughs> snake, but it wasn't poisonous one. Oh. I saw, but I don't, and then I realized I don't know which ones are poisonous here. 
rattlesnakes I learned rattlesnakes mm. and yeah yeah and that's like obvious but this was just like a little snake mm. and I saw lots of little frogs too mm. but very I cute. learned about black bears today because I thought you were supposed to be very still with bears but that must be in different places nah, different those bears. are typically with uh, I forgot what kind of bears they call them but the brown bears okay. not the black bears uh, you gotta be still because if you move then they get frightened and they attack when they're frightened Oh. Um, the black bears also get frightened when you move, but they don't attack when you move. Um, but like black bears are like basically gangster as fuck. So like you don't even have to move. Like you could not move and they'll just pull up on you and smack the shit out of you, which is why you have to like assert your dominance over them. They'll pull and- up and smack <laughs> the shit out of you. Black bears are Gang, a gang of bears. Okay, I'll remember that. Yeah, black Is bears it are they're like black. Um, could be, could be, could be because I'm sorry, I know, it was right there. Because I know it was right there. Because I know I'm pulling up to you. I might smack the shit out you. <laughs> <laughs> so you better assert I mean, your you dominance for that comment. <laughs> I'm like raising my arms right now. I'm asserting dominance. Back I feel up, like you should Carl. know. Back the fuck up. All right. All right. Damn, girl. You got it. You got it. That's exactly how the black bear is moving. The black bear is like, damn. Okay. All right. <laughs> Shit. I know. My bad. <sighs> yeah. Sense. So, um, yeah. So, so back to this problematic exceptionalism. Um, yeah, we have a number of issues uh, where this happens. And... The thing is with many Americans, uh, because of this cultural soft power that the U.S. has, mm. we tend to just assume everybody's going to kind of jump on the bandwagon with it, right? Like, we pull up to other countries like, word, y'all don't have freedom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How could you not have free? You know what? We need to get you some fucking freedom. <laughs> Hold on. We'll be right back. We're going to get our army and, like, ruin your whole shit. To give you some freedom because you need some. And that's what we believe. <laughs> right? Um, so, so yeah. So, it does in its own essence become problematic because many people aren't asking for that. And just because people are different from you doesn't mean they are living in conditions that are less than yours. It's just they're different. I mean, again, it's like everything is relative. Like, so what is freedom? And like... Is freedom needing to have like a nine to five, two income household just to get by? You need to, you're like, you know, healthcare isn't tied to, tied to your employment, like all of these things. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a different idea of freedom. Like, um, look, I'm, there was a big phase of this book in Australia called um, Shantaram. And it's about this like Australian guy who's like, He's like a criminal. He escapes jail and goes to India. Mm-hmm. And it's a true story. And he lived in the slums in India. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, look, it's a very like, you know, Western take on another country, whatever. But what's really interesting about it is the way that he talks about like the way people live in like the slums, right? And it's not like uncivilized if you want to use those terms. Yeah. It's very like communal and there's like a lot of like everybody's helping each other. It's like in some ways a lot more civilized and I fucking hate this word, but like for lack of a better word, 
it's a lot more civilized than like you know living in an apartment in New York, for example. Yeah. Now maybe nobody like, gives a fuck about you here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true, but like, I do think that like definitely individualist cultures uh, are definitely not necessarily as free as like you think they are. You yeah. know, it feels like freedom, but like it's just. Um, and um, I think that there is a lot of community in New York. I think there's a lot more community in New York than there are in a lot of other places in America. Look, um, America is fighting. Americans are fighting other Americans mm. today on Twitter mm. about the fact that oh, the I'm president. Just, I'm being on Twitter today. Yeah, the president just freed a bunch of Americans mm. off some debt yeah. that they accumulated just to be free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that just tells you how communal I just Americans like, are. <laughs> like, I just cannot fathom, like, I cannot fathom ever feeling like someone else's relief was, like, my pain. Like, to be like, oh, well, I paid my debts. It's like, great. It's like the same thing where you get this, like, um, I pulled myself up by my bootstrings thing and it's like, yeah, I kind of did too, but like, I don't wish that on anyone. Like, but people always thing. say this. Like, you know, yeah. you have this traumatic, you know, thing happen in your childhood, and people are like, oh, but like, you're such an inspiration, and like, you can do it. And I'm like, I don't wish this on anyone. Like, yeah. I'm not looking at it being like, I did it, so you can too. I'm like, I did it, no one should have to. Yeah. How can I create an, a situation where no one has to do that? And I just never understand for the life of me, people who like take a rope up and just like let it go. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, interesting conversation. And the reason why it's because you find that so many people want their children or want the next generation to be better off than them, but then don't want to support the thing that will allow the next generation to be better off than them. We're not doing that anymore. Right. Then the other added element is... Um, most of the people saying that they lifted themselves up by their own bootstraps had a lot of fucking mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we are standing on the sold the, on the shoulders of giants. Like mm-hmm. motherfuckers are born with roads. Motherfuckers are born with a country that wars are not fought on. Uh, people are born with like real fucking infrastructure mm. you know what i mean like like if you're a white person from the south uh there's a high likelihood that you're profiting off slavery mm-hmm. like bootstraps my fucking ass you mm. lifted yourself off your fucking gucci shoes that's what you did by you pulled the strings up from your fucking dior's <laughs> all right that's what you did okay so so when you sit there and you look at it that way like like even the fucking horrible labor that um asian asian folks had to deal with mm-hmm. um when we came to building the railroad like like we're not even f- moving food across the country without beating the shit out of mm-hmm. um or forcing um people from china who came to the U.S. without forcing them to work for like really shitty pay mm-hmm. and horrible working conditions so that our food could go from the West to the East. You know what I mean? Like, and you grow up with food on your table because it's at the local grocery store. Like, 
what bootstraps? What bootstraps? You know what I mean? So, so it, it's always funny to kind of see that, and like that plays a role in that idea of exceptionalism. One hundred percent, right? Like, because you feel as if because you, because I think what people are thinking when they say they lifted themselves up by their bootstraps is really what they're saying is I followed the rules. They told me what I had to do. I did it. Not only I did it, but I did some extra credit. You know what I'm saying? Can we talk for a minute? I'm so sorry, but like, can we talk for a minute about quiet quitting? Because I think it's the funniest thing ever. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I have actually. (laughs) You mean doing your job? Yeah. Like, it's literally doing your job. Like, it's like people are showing up to work and leaving on time and doing their job and going home. And they're quitting. And it, No, they're quiet quitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, what I'm saying. They're, they're like, quitting. It's like to, to frame it like that and be like, oh, like people are setting healthy boundaries around work and it's, a, it's an epidemic. And it's like maybe, I don't know, pay people for their labor and like don't overwork people and just like hire that extra person. But that's not American. What? Oh, the quiet quitting. Yeah, thing. that's not American. No, I understand that. Because Americans are supposed to show up. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to work really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're supposed to give up everything. For a corporation you know? who will fire their ass tomorrow. Yeah. And but, that's but, why but, the pandemic brought this to life. But that's okay. Because in life, you get knocked down, you get back up again. Okay, Chumbawamba. <laughs> you get back up again. You know? Because that's the American way. Okay? Mm-hmm. So 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 I'm not a quiet quitter. I'm a goer. <laughs> I am. I'm a, a go. Quitter. I'm a go goer. I mean, like, I'm a bit of it. I'm being I, facetious here, but yeah, I know. Yeah. But like, I like, I feel like no. I mean, my work situation is different because I'm friends with my boss. I really like him. Like, yeah. I'm really happy to, and I work weird hours. But I also, you know, got up on Wednesday morning and drove an hour out of the city and went for a three hour hike and drove mm. back. And then after this recording, I'll go do a couple of meetings in Australia time. So it's like a very weird thing, but I'm very much like, you know, I am going to, I'm off. I'm not checking Slack. Yeah. My um, boss just took a break. I encourage him to do the same. I'm like, you just tell everyone to defer to me and I will not contact you for anything. Well, I think a big part of the issue that we're dealing with in our culture right now is that um, we have seen too many times in modern times, mm. um, companies kind of chew people up and spit people out mm-hmm. in so many different ways. So we've seen companies do mass hirings and mass firings. Uh, we've seen companies, uh, you know, you work there for 50, 60 years as a person who works at the plant and then they shut down the plant and it's not because they're not making cars anymore it's because they're sending it to mexico right mm-hmm. like so mexicans can kind of do it over there mm-hmm. and it's no knock to mexicans it's just this is how people feel mm-hmm. right um then we've also seen companies participate in activity that ended up taking away people's homes right like the you know the banking system especially in the mortgage area, just lending money to a bunch of people and then taking those homes away when they couldn't pay anymore, Mm. right? And so now imagine that happening, plus you're losing your job. It gets really fucking nasty. You're not going to trust companies anymore. So what you're going to do is you're going to show up, you're going to do as least as possible, and you're going to leave, right? 
And But you should. Like that's the thing is like if you're really talking about like capitalism and like you know, you're getting lab- labor in exchange for money. Like you should be getting money in exchange for your labor. And if you're working crazy hours and if it's taking up your whole life, like then it's not a fair exchange. And like, if you don't have time to be a human being outside of your work, you're not going to be doing the best work. Well, it's interesting. Cause like we kind of get the thought process of capitalism kind of screwed up with that like you can't talk about capitalism without talking about the person who first like fully codified capitalism we talk about it so adam smith wrote the wealth of nations mm. and essentially he created the first like capitalist infrastructure in a book mm-hmm. that's why they call him like the father of modern economics right so like essentially when he first spoke about capitalism, when he first spoke about what they call the division of labor, mm-hmm. his whole thing was like, hey, uh, what's happening right now is there's one guy or two guys that are like doing nine jobs. And as a result, they're inefficient. Right. Um, so um, and he used like the a pin, for example, he was like, you got like eight guys that, you know, No, you got like two guys that work all day and they make maybe 40 pins. But then like you could have eight guys doing these small little things. And like as a result, they can make like 10,000 pins in the same period of time that you would have gotten like 40. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But the other part of it that many people don't talk about is that um, the thesis of Wealth of Nations was that if you create all of these new jobs, you will actually expand the economy. And by expanding the economy, you will allow people to buy other goods and buy other services by creating these new and extra jobs. This money is supposed to flow up to the government in form of taxes, companies, and everybody else's pockets and it's supposed to help people live a better life in some. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there is a responsibility by companies and by the government to ensure that people's work has meaning and to ensure that society can care for the poor. That yeah. is like a fundamental tenet of this book. In which capitalism was created I from. Think they missed that part when they were reading it. Yeah. Yeah. They they may have missed that part. Yeah. But but that's the thing, right? So so I think the problem we're having right now mm. is that people are not finding meaning in their jobs anymore. Yeah. And it's because we've made so many different jobs that basically are shit jobs that people are um essentially uh, uh, misemployed where like, like I think about the fucking guy who's standing outside in the fucking shiny suit, giving out pamphlets to go roll dice on Las Vegas Boulevard. That's not your employee from, uh, from your gambling ring at school. Look, <laughs> I may have had a guy or two like that. 
maybe they were misemployed. But either way, right? <laughs> either way. Um, the whole idea is that that guy's job of passing out pamphlets mm. is like not the proper use of that person. He he or she is probably way more educated for that job and probably could perform something that actually has more meaning. Mm. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. Many people don't like their jobs because their jobs don't have meaning. It's the reason why they're like open shut at work. It's the reason why you have your quiet quitting type of situation. Mm. People just fucking hate their jobs. Most of them like live to work. Anyway, look, this is a good time to take a break. We need to take yeah. a break. We've been talking for a while. We will be back after a short break. All right. And we're back. All right. This conversation, as it tends to do, has gone really off track. Uh, And so I'm going to talk about some myths. Okay. Which you made me say that with my little lisp. Myths. 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 Um, When you say myths enough time, it sounds like Smith. 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 Adam Smith. Myth. Um, (laughs) Okay. So myth number one. That there is something. Okay, so I also will say before we go into the myths, I will say that legitimately American exceptionalism was a course that I took at university. Oh. Like not a whole course, but like it was like a week of my America, Russia, like comparative studies course. So like it's a thing that like even in Australia that we study as like a particular phenomenon. Mother Russia. (laughs) Oh, that was actually a really way to do American history. So we have this really incredible professor called uh, Pete Lentini. And he does this um, comparative America-Russia unit, which is like American and Russian history, comparative politics. Oh, cool. Um, It's really cool to study them together. Hmm. Um, So he's American. He's from Rhode Island. He's a Sicilian dude. And he is amazing. And he uh, he lived in Russia for a period of time. Oh, so. that's pretty tight. Yeah. He had to like fight the university, put a Russia course in, and then all this Russia shit started happening again. And they're like, we need Russia courses. He's like, I told you. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So myth number one, there is something exceptional about American exceptionalism. So evidently this is a myth. So all great powers do tend to consider themselves special or unprecedented and they broadcast it, which like, I guess is unsurprising. I mean, definitely like looking at like UK history, you're right. Like, or Rome. Yeah. Or Rome. Oh my God. I listened to a really good podcast the other day about how ancient, what's it called? I'm going to find the name of it um, because it was really good. And I think everyone should go listen to it. It's, um, Behind the Bastards, which I think I've referenced here before. And the episode is called How the Roman Republic Became a Police State. And one of the conclusions that they have is that ancient Rome is more American than America. Oh, shit. (laughs) So if you listen through, you're like, is this modern America? And no, it's ancient Rome. It's ancient Rome. Um, Myth number two, the U.S. behaves better than other nations do. So Mm. the U.S. sees itself as uniquely virtuous, as you brought up before, even though history says otherwise. Do you yeah. feel like America behaves better than other nations do? Uh, I think America doesn't, but it's because other nations can't. So, for example, um, 
Haiti can't just be pulling up talking about, yeah, we about to just do some regime change up in the USA. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, because it's because of your massive military. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, try me, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Myth number three America's success is due to its special genius. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so no. Um, As long as you don't think that, but that's a myth. That's a myth. Like, right? It's like America's like, you know, like a country founded on blah, 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 when really it's just like a lot of it is like luck and circumstance. Luck, circumstance. Yeah, luck, circumstance, slavery, uh, Calvinism, Protestantism uh, is likely why America is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> an interesting thing about Calvinism and also pro- Protestantism, um, those types of Christianity really value the idea of hard work. Mm. Hard work is almost service to God. Mm. Um, So as a result, what ends up happening is you have this like hyper level of capitalism here because it's almost like you're doing your religious duty of working. You go to work, you go home, uh, you work really, really fucking hard. You pray, you know, and, and typically... That type of activity is what's associated with the productive output of the United States. Now, of course, like I think about a person like Thomas Edison, who like worked really fucking hard all the time and to the point where he didn't even want to sleep. Like part of the reason why, and this is in the sleep revolution by uh Ariana Huffington. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about how uh, Thomas Edison, part of the uh, inspiration in his marketing of the light bulb mm-hmm. um, was that man no longer has to sleep because man, because man um, used to have to sleep because man, sunlight was the only period of time man could work. It's right. True. Uh, so or he was, by candlelight, which is kind of difficult to do. Yeah. So. So he was like, after this, like, man, no longer has to sleep. Sleep is dead. Mm. Fuck sleep. We're about to be the most productive. Everything forever. Humanity is about to just fucking 2000X because we're not sleeping anymore. Well, there's always a story as well of like, I know, um, so this is like a very Australian example, but like in um, in Australia, for example, uh, it was really a lot of the productivity was really refined to the southern part of the country where it was cooler. Mm-hmm. And it was only when air conditioning was invented that um, that the northern states started to catch up uh, mm. from an economic standpoint because it was just like simply too hot to yeah. be like productive all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've agreed that it's not any special genius. The fourth is that the U.S. is, resp- is responsible for the most good in the world. Uh, <sighs> I mean, we know their myths. I'm saying them, yeah, but I'm yeah. interested to hear your thoughts as an American on these myths. Yeah, because it, it's a weird, it's a weird conundrum, right? Because um, the production of modern science typically lies. Does hey, it? Hey, hey, the production of modern science, not the creation of modern science. The production, mass production of modern science um, during the 
mid-1900s lied here in the United States. That's just reality, right? Um, and it's I want also- some background on it. Like, I want some facts. Because to be honest, Carl, like th- this is what I mean. Like this, I always find this really interesting talking to people because like Americans do have an idea that a lot of technology technological innovation is driven through America and it's just simply not true. Well, that's the thing. I'm not saying it's only us. I'm saying that there was a significant period of time where it was, where we were a primary driver. So, uh, post-World War II. Yeah. That's because you had all the money from, that's, it's always, it's because you have a massive military and military funding always drives scientific innovation. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's, yeah, that's all that's I'm saying. Like, but it doesn't mean you have produced the most good. There is no, a period no, no. I'm not of time where you're the richest country in the world where you have produced a yeah. level of scientific innovation. Yeah, that. but that's the thing. I'm not saying that we've produced the most good. Mm. I'm saying that during that period of time, we were we were a primary driver of good. But it's not all of it, right? Like a lot of a lot of what we did, a lot of what we did, uh, a lot of like what I would say is um 1970s and on mm-hmm. 1980s and on you see a lot of good coming from other countries coming from from the east coming from europe um but europe definitely you know was pre-america too of course and i was going to get to that as well um a I'm lot trying of trying to find some a lot like, of information most most if not all of the enlightenment thinkers are from europe and that has shaped Western Ooh, philosophy. This is interesting. That has shaped Western philosophy in totality. Right? I found a ranking. Ooh. It is the most innovative countries ranking by Bloomberg, I think. Um, and there's like a bunch of different uh there's a bunch of different things. Investment in R&D, patent activity, investment in higher education, mm-hmm. value in industry, productivity, density of high-tech companies, research mm-hmm. concentration, blah, blah, blah. South Korea is a top, mm-hmm. followed by Germany, then Finland, Switzerland, Israel, uh, Singapore, Sweden, then the US, then Japan, then France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's today. That's and, today. And and I would completely agree with you, mm-hmm. right? I, and that's why I said for a period of time. Right, like post World War Two, when basically everybody beat the shit out of each other, and the United States had that logistical advantage of not being bombed on once in the homeland, um, and also having tons of money and having um, high uh, manufacturing capabilities. Yes, fifty to nineteen fifty to nineteen seventy, boom, America number one. But after that list changes right so so that's why i'm saying that's like but then the the point that i gave you was the u.s is responsible for most of the good in the world yeah and so we can say that that is a myth that is a myth but it's funny how you jumped on the defensive to say that there was a period of time where we did really good things just for like those 20 years yeah and like it's because i think um that particular type of myth is very it could be heard in a very binary way. No, but it was it was the most good. The most good, yeah. Not any good. It right. was the most good, which mm-hmm. I think that Americans believe. And like, I I definitely have this conversation a lot about um, 
medical and technological innovation and like where that comes from. And there's this overarching myth that it's, you know, from the um, private companies and it's from these genius founders. And like, really, it's from countries that invest money in R&D and they pull these drugs. Like, it's what it's from. Like, Yeah. And also other countries um, tend to uh, socialize a lot of that technology. Yes. The United States doesn't. Yes. Right? So... Um, so that is also an advantage. And it also shows you that the U.S. doesn't do the most good. Because if the United States did the most good, then they would also socialize a, a lot of that technology. And that remove the patents for the COVID vaccine, yeah. which is not just an America thing. It is an everywhere thing. It is. But it is like every person, every company that has a COVID vaccine should be letting go of the fucking patents. History is not going to look down on you very well because you made a lot of fucking money in the midst of a global pandemic that if you would let go of that fucking information would have actually helped with. Well, you know, you know, the other thing about history is somebody is going to write it to make sure that that part's not in it. This podcast is going to be here on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> a key piece of informational history. Yeah. Uh, number five, Manifest Destiny. God is on our side. Um, no. Yes. <laughs> you think no. God's on your side? It all comes back to God in the end. not. God is not on your side because you kick people off their lands. Mm. It's so interesting because the last line in Thea's notes is about exceptionalism is how you reconcile patriotism with internationalism and Mm. that it's self-correcting. And when America fails to live up to expectations or ideals, it makes appeals to different paths that emphasizes the better nature at the core, which can correct flaws, which is almost exactly what you just did. Yeah. Uh, Look at me. That's actually, look at you. Look at me caught up. You're so caught up. Look at you and your American exceptionalism. So So American. I don't have my I don't have an American tea on today. I am so disappointed. Last episode, I think it's like the first time that you haven't uh, been wearing some kind it. of American thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I expect you to wear American shit tomorrow. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll make sure I have some American. Are you going to drape an American flag around your shoulders? That's, I may. You save that. Save that for the citizenship. I may. I may. I may. You never know. We will see. Well, sir, it's been a pleasure. I think we got to leave it. I'm fading. I'm fading. I uh, I did the most today. Lisa did it. Lisa did it for you guys. She pressed the American. <laughs> <laughs> she pushed all the buttons. <laughs> she pushed them all. She even caught me slipping. <laughs> it's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your mm-hmm. fault you've been brainwashed, Carl. We're uh, working through it on this podcast. It's okay. Okay. Season two is going to be great. Uh, we're going to be covering American subcultures. We're going to be mixing up the uh, format a little bit. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your favorite subcultures that you want us to talk about. Um, so that will be coming up in November. We're taking a month. Yeah. Two months off? Two months off. Yo. Oh, one yeah. month. One month. Because we're this will launch in September. Because it's October and then November. Oh, so we take a month off. Yeah, we're taking a month yeah. off. We're relaunching season two in November. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, we can't keep rehashing these same topics, so we had to mix it up. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. We're going to cover a lot of like things that people kind of 
see on a daily basis. Yes. It's not that we didn't do that here, but we were a bit more uh, theoretical and historical. Uh, but, you know, we got what? We got fraternities and sororities coming. Mm. Uh, we got we a lot. Got, it's going to be a lot. a lot. It's going to be great. A lot. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, how the American government is being a cult now. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about what cults are now in America. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty exciting. And that's it for season one. So thanks all for sticking with us. Uh, I'm going to read us out um, for our, you know, our last time. Say so thank yeah. you to everybody. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. You know what I'm saying? I feel famous now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Cult America is co-hosted and produced by us, Lisa Charlotte and Carl Joseph Black. Our production partner is Three Things Media, and our audio engineer is Sarah Gabrielli. Our research assistant, Thea Smith. Our artwork is by Acel Illustrated, and our soundtrack is by King Virtue and So Soon. So thank you so much to all of them for the whole season. Um, please, in the break, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review. You can also access our very half-hearted attempts at bonus content, which fell off the grid. Yeah. We will pick something up again we'll in get, season we'll two. We're either we'd love to hear from you actually if you'd prefer to have bonus content, if you'd prefer for us to do a live stream and make that available to patrons with special right. patron questions. We really want to make sure that we're using our time effectively. We've both had a really busy year. Um, we're not trying to be shit, just life, you know? Yeah. Life happens. Um, so on that note, if you want to get in touch, please head over to cultusapod.com. Um, you can comment on the episodes themselves, or you can send us an email at Uncle Sam at cultusapod.com. Uh, that's just Uncle Sam, one word. Mm-hmm. That's who you are now, your Uncle Sam. I'm Uncle Sam. <laughs> We're also on Twitter at cultusapod. Um, so please tweet at us there. All of this, we're, we're, we're working. We're doing monthly episodes now. Oh, yeah. Much more manageable. And we will see you for the next season. Peace. My ancestors ain't died for me to be taking shit from no crackers. You want me to preach peace, but my frequency is on ratchet. Don't want to protest when a whole ratchet. Don't want a whole tep, a whole balance. Every chant for white lies, a rant, a white lies. So we show them that black lives matter. Last night I had a dream. The cops were harassing me.